Ho, ho, ho. One week to go with the ho, ho, ho. And Wednesday, here we are. And first thing, I want to thank our last week wonderful female DJ artist, Caper, for her great story on her life coming through the BBC One Extra crew and making her way to buying a beautiful home in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and finding her way back to go to the UK. We want to wish her the best during the Christmas season because it's been two years since she's seen her family. And you all know why, because it's not easy to travel. But now we're trying to get back to normal. As well, I want to say one last thing. I got a lot of things to say. What am I saying one last thing? Let's make sure. One of the things I want to say is I want to thank you all because today marks, okay? Are you ready for this, everyone? It marks 73 episodes that we have been able to bring you. And this is the last episode for the year. I'm not going off the air forever. I'm just taking a break during the Christmas holiday season. And this episode, I wanted to bring on a UK favorite. So welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City with a ho, 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 Rudolph Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and my man Santa Claus. We're nine days away or should I say 10 days away from Christmas Day, 11 from Boxing Day. And I know all of you have had moments wondering, Jesus, my God, where did the year go? I'll tell you, the year for me feels like a month. But to sum it up, as dark as the year has been, for us here at True House Stories, we've been blessed to bring light and happiness and a lot of information to everyone that maybe didn't know some of our guests. And today, this is a very special man I'm bringing on. Chad Jackson. You ready, everybody? DMC champion, 1987. Okay? He took it a totally different way. He figured he would take it across the board with different music styles, different types of playing, all done one night to make himself win a championship. To say the least, he went on to also become a very well-known producer with Let the Drummer Get Wicked. Yeah. And he has now informed me that he's been lecturing and teaching the art of production work. So with no further ado, and let me keep my mouth shut and bring him right up. I want to welcome to the stage, Mr. Chad Jackson. Yeah. Hi, Lenny. Hello, mate. How are you? You okay? You ready? I'm really, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on, mate. I love the True House Stories series. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone, again, that has supported all of us sharing the show. And Mary right, please hit the share button. Share the hell out of it. Because I got stats for the year end that showed me like 800,000 views of this show. It's crazy. Something that was homegrown, Chad, has become institutionalized. You know? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm much honoured to be on here, mate. You know, in very esteemed company, the, the, other, uh, the, the other interviews you've done and yourself, obviously. So I'm uh, much obliged. Well, I'm a historian. I love the art of what we all do. 
I felt it needed to find its place in history because there's a lot of you that never, ever get a chance to really tell the story. We see you guys come in, you play the sets, the crowd goes crazy, and then you leave. You know, but we never hear about all the how to, what it was, when I was there, what the hell did I do to kill myself to get there? You know, all these things are all part of the journey of what makes us stronger and survivable through this all. So on that note, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing through COVID because people are tired of me asking that question, but I'll ask this question. Um, how the hell does music find you as a young lad, a young child? Well, from going way back from as far as I can remember, um, music was just the most, one of the most, if not the most important thing in my life. Uh, from as I said, as far back as I can remember, um, I started off, um, well, kind of as a musician. I mean, learning the piano when I was younger. Um, more often than not, um, I, I, I was quite luckily in those early days, I developed a a good skill for actually, um, learning piano, uh, learning tracks by ear. So I used to listen to tracks on the radio that I really liked, tape them onto cassette and listen back to them with the piano and work out the chords and the melodies and everything. Um, and actually work out lots of tracks like that, as well as, you know, going to lessons and doing my scales and all this kind of stuff, which I found quite boring, as you usually do, you know, as a youngster. And uh, so I developed this really good skill of, of, of recreating things on the piano by ear. Um, and then I moved into um, uh, stealing my dad's record collection and uh, listening through to loads of that. I mean, he had, I mean, he had, he didn't have a massive collection, but he had things, quite a diverse selection of things from quite obvious stuff uh, for, for a person of his age, like, um, I don't know, like um, the Shadows and Elvis and the Beatles and this, that and the other. But he also had Burt Bacharach and things like that. And I just really, really was, was drawn to things like Burt Bacharach and the Beatles with the songwriting and the chords used and the, you know, the, 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 the way a song can move you so much emotionally, you know? Um, and also at that age, I mean, I started to, uh, I mean, I, I've only researched this recently because when I was going through it at this young age, I always just presumed it was something that was a human thing that we all did. And it was just a normal thing. I never talked to it about, uh, talked to it, talked about it with anybody. But uh, I used to actually get lost in frequencies and sound and certain sounds. And uh, it, it was, for instance, you know, when my parents used to take us, I've got, uh, I've got two sisters and a brother. And when my parents used to take us on holiday, you know, quite often we'd go in a caravan to Wales or something like that. My mom always used to say that I always used to just wander off at a really early age and I'd just get lost. And uh, she used to tell me off when I got back because I'd just gone wandering off on my own. Um, but I remember distinctly that I was re- really kind of confident that, don't worry, I'm fine. I, I'm just kind of streetwise, you know. But what I was doing, I was wandering off to go into like the, the middle of um, the middle of some moors somewhere and, and to the side of a stream or something like that and just 
just honing in on actually on the sound of the stream and the bubbling water and things like that. And it was just an unconscious thing that I couldn't help to do, you know. Um, and in later years, I, I started to realise that that, that sensitivity to kind of sound frequencies it was something i mean from that very early age it was something which was a a really intense experience in my brain it was like i mean what they call it nowadays is kind of like tingles and and um uh, people people even call it a brain orgasm but um in in recent years i've researched it and found out that um because uh, after a while, I started to ask some of my friends. A few years ago, I started to ask my friends, listen, there's this thing I've always done. Do you do, you do this? Do you? And they were kind of looking at me going, you're weird, man, you know? Um, so I kind of researched it a bit, and it's actually something that's called uh, AMSR, which is Autom- Autonomous Meridian Sensory Response. And it's a, it's a sensory perceptual response to uh, certain sounds and certain frequencies um for instance uh bubbling water at a brook which was what i was always you know drawn to things like that it's the sound in somebody's voice sometimes if you if you're sitting in a lecture hall listen to a lecture and somebody's got a very glottal kind of voice which has a lot of kind of sounds in it quite often you'd hone in on that and actually get all these incredible rushes in your brain and just really zone out um and um that that kind of uh, thing is 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 there's even youtube videos and stuff now on, on all that and that's looking but back i think that but, was is yours, but is yours i'm sorry excuse me but is yours turned up a bit higher say than most people your amsr oh, yeah i mean a lot of people get that tingling sensation sometimes in the back of your back of your head and your brain and this but this is more intense you know um and that's one reason why i mean when i was at school um, I went to quite a good school, but I didn't actually enjoy it, and I didn't really concentrate and 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 uh, learn as much as I probably could have done because I kept wandering off in things like if there was a teacher talking and, and, and giving the lesson, if they had a voice like that, I'd be lost. I'd be I'd be kind of tuned in to those frequencies and sounds coming from the voice, you know, and I won't be able to really concentrate. Um, and it's a, it's a strange thing, but as I said, looking back, I kind of realised that that's that's what was happening, you know? Um, and obviously it's, it all ties in with, with the, the fact that music meant a lot to me, you know, that was giving me a lot more, probably a lot more enjoyment and sensation than a, than a normal person, you know? Um, so I think that's all connected really. And I've, as I said, I've only learned that recently, um, but it's definitely a pointer. Um, and I did things like I was I was a choir boy at the local church. Uh, we we all went to uh, we went to Rome once and and went to the Vatican and sung in front of the Pope and all this stuff, you know. And and uh, so just music generally, no matter what kind of music, I was just drawn to, you know. Um, but everything's a good experience, you know. Nobody understands that till later when you do the hindsight look back. Yeah. Time he says, ah, oh, who's gonna want? I don't want to go to the Vatican like this. Oh, how uncool, right? You're thinking, yeah, yeah. Then you're like, later on, you're like, damn, we did the Vatican. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Got it in one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you tell the people later on in life when you're older, and they go, you did the Vatican? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did a show at the Vatican. Yeah. Not DJing. A show. A show. <laughs> yeah, I'll 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 take that. <laughs> yeah, so um so music was was just all important to me. It's like um I mean it's like it's like f- as important as food. I mean really, you know, it's like with a lot of us it's a passion. It's a it's a calling. It's a it's a religion, you know. Um without any of the messed up bits of religion really, <laughs> you know. Um just the kind of spiritual bits. But anyway, I I I gravitated into uh buying records and uh starting to build up my own record collection. Um, and, uh, and around the same time, um, I was kind of getting into Northern soul as well, because that was obviously very big in the area, uh, the Northwest. Uh, I used to live, uh, originally used to live in St. Helens, which is between Manchester and Liverpool, um, kind of on the outskirts of greater Manchester and kind of on the outskirts of Liverpool, you know, so kind of stuck in between, but, uh, quite luckily getting quite a good influence from both sides, if you like. And, uh, and I used to go to a lot of local Northern Soul events, um, and to me, this was just this was just really good kind of dance music. You know, it was uh, the fact that it was called Northern Soul, and the fact that a lot of it was based on kind of kind of older records didn't really matter. It was just the sound was was perfect for dancing. You know, um, can I? As now that you're in the lecturing mode, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about Northern Soul because we have a lot of Americans that ask me these questions. Yeah. Who, who is the one that picked some of these records? These Because a lot of these records were records that never, ever made it anywhere. But yeah. they're massive in that scene. Yeah. Well... I mean, part of the catalyst, I think, was the uh, things like the docks in Liverpool and, and a lot of the records, um, a lot of imports used to come to the docks in Liverpool. So that general area of the northwest in uh, in Britain was was a real hotbed of, of, of kind of um, um, rare music, really. You know, we, we got to see a lot of that first, and so it kind of – was a catalyst in, I think, in building this scene where people were playing quite rare records and different records and they wanted something different from what you could hear on the pop radio, et cetera, you know? And uh, and that was one of the biggest catalysts, I think, you know, and it just all all followed on from there, really. I think it, there's a there's a definite lineage of of Northern Soul in the Northwest following on into I mean, it's been documented quite well. I mean, I know Greg on your um, True House Stories, Greg Wilson talked about it as well. He was a real good old friend and mentor of mine. We'll talk about him later. But uh, um, it was it was a kind of um, it was a real catalyst, and and it and it everything else that went from there developed. Like the the, the club scene there was very vibrant. And after the Northern Soul scene, we kind of had jazz funk and then there was, you know, the house scene appeared and there was, you know, a really big kind of soul and funk scene there as well. Um, and, and and everything that followed on from that, that to me, the, the kind of one of the starters was 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 Northern Soul, you know. And, and, and also a lot of clubs in the 60s in Manchester and places like that, like uh, the Twisted Wheel and things, which went on to become quite big Northern Soul clubs, you know. Um, 
and a lot of big DJs. I mean, from the past, there. I mean, one of my good friends now, Colin Curtis. I mean, he was one of the one of the early names. Um, he's he's one of my uh, DJ idols. To be quite honest, I love Colin. He's a good guy, nice guy, Colin. Yeah, um, does a great show on the uh, Worldwide FM um, uh, Jazz Dance Fusion, which is totally down my street. Um, great, great, great guy. Great taste of music and. Uh, has put us onto a lot of things, and uh, and also people like you know Richard Sealing and um, um, uh, Ian Levine in the early days, and places like you know Wig Casino and Blackpool Mecca and all those venues. It, you know, it's it's all come I think from that the docks in Liverpool really being being the first to get a lot of these, you know, um, exclusive kind of seventies and stuff. You know, it's very interesting because a lot of records that became massive hits in that area these artists were forgotten about a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of them were, were following the, um, were following the template of Motown, really. I mean, Motown was for, uh, in black music terms, as we all know, it was a, it was a, a, a massive, one of the biggest, if not the biggest label that's ever been. And, uh, the, the, the hits and the impact that they had in the sixties, there was a lot of smaller, American labels that were trying to get in on the action. So there was a lot of them trying to make Motown sounding type records. And that kind of became really the, the Northern Soul scene, you know. And obviously it's been documented quite well in recent years about the influence. It was like the first rave scene. I mean, that was that was that was definitely the case because um, you know, it was it was there was quite a big um, drug scene that went with it in the clubs, you know, which kind of echoes the the house scene as well, and also the the tempo of of the real big stompers. I mean, a lot of the really fast dance tunes in the Northern Cell um, era. We used to we used to call the the really good ones that were quite fast real stompers, and they were very really four four based, you know. So it was very much again, you know, the early rave scene, a precursor to to a lot of what went. Went, went later, you know, which is all just a, an inbuilt human trait anyway, going back thousands of years of us just wanting to, you know, that trial instinct of wanting to have a release to some kind of repetitive beat, you know. The repetitive beat seems to add to the experience of, of, of trance or whatever it is that are... Don't forget, don't forget, and the hallucinations of the little pills and all the yeah. amphetamines and all the excitement that adds to it. And, yeah. And, and the and the energy of the yeah. synergy, I should say, of everyone together. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, and the and the release, you know, of of. Um, I mean, we we're talking before we went on air about about the the uh, the dreaded uh, lockdown and pandemic and stuff. And and one of the things I was mentioned to you is that the the, um, the the loss of 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 the enjoyable parts of life for a lot of people, like going out and clubbing and socialising. This is so important to us as human beings that without it, you know, I've heard a lot of friends say it's kind of, you know, if they if they wouldn't be allowed to do that anymore for the rest of their lives, that would that would be it for their lives. It's like there's no point to life, really. You know, working you we're not meant we're not meant to be in, in or not robots. Singular. We're not supposed Don't to be on the subject of AI. I've just mentioned robots. No, I didn't mention AI, but let's just use the word singular. We're not meant to be always alone in a cave. Yeah. We're yeah. meant to to consume and assimilate with others. Yeah, we must yeah. do this to survive. I mean, yeah. you can live alone. You can be in solitary. 
but it's not good for the psyche. Yeah, believe me, I understand all about that, Lenny. I mean, I've in a, in a weird, in I mean, this isn't good, but in a in a large way, over the past twenty years or so, I've, I've spent a lot of time alone alone in the studio working on songs and doing stuff and writing and preparing lectures and this, that, and the other. And so the lockdown wasn't really much of a difference for me because I do spend so much time on my own, but it seriously affected me because it was almost like, well, it's it's not just if I want to get that release of going out and seeing some friends, I can't even do that now. And so I'm really stuck at home, you know, and that was just a, a weird thing to go through and still is, you know, on and off. I mean, we're not out of it, out of the woods yet. You're right about that because we've all been conditioned working in our home offices for the yeah. last forever. So it wasn't a big change. The only thing was exactly that, that they said, you can't go to the pub, you yeah. can't go to your friend's house, and you can't go to a nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. It was rough. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell, tell you what it reminds me of. It's funny. I was... Uh... I was, well, I, I was, uh, one of the things, one of the things I, I used to teach, I mean, I used to teach quite a lot of things about the music production, but I used to teach the kind of history of dance music and culture and all stuff like that, you know, and I used to obviously cover disco and talk about, you know, the obvious, um, the obvious big commercial success of Saturday Night Fever. But I remember the story of Saturday Night Fever was very much about that. It was about, you know, the John Travolta character, Tony Monero was it? Um, he, you know, going out was the release. They were they were they were they were hardworking kind of working class people who went to work five days, six days a week, and that weekend was their release that made it all worth it. You know, so it reminded me very much of that. You know, without that release, life just becomes pointless almost. You know, really. Everyone, the other day on Tuesday. Made it 45 years that movie was released. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for bringing that back up. I remember, um, man, I remember. I was quite young then, but I I remember I loved that film, Saturday Night Fever. I mean, I must admit, I was quite, I was already at that time quite into a lot of rare and underground kind of music. So the, the actual inclusion of things like the Bee Gees and stuff, I wasn't too happy with. But the actual film itself, I thought was absolutely brilliant, you know, and I, I, at the time I used to, I mean, I was learning all the dance moves because I was really into dancing. I mean, I, you know, as I said, I started off as a dancer really in clubs before I became a DJ. And I remember um, a local, a local DJ who used to do kind of parties for people. He, I don't know where he saw me, but he asked me, could you come on some of my gigs and do this kind of John Travolta routine? So this young kid of like 11 years old with like a white three-piece suit giving it all this. <laughs> and um, I look back at it now quite kind of embarrassed, but actually, you know, what a fun time for considering how, how young I was, you know. I wish I had my picture of me with my green suit and those big ass <laughs> Big ass collars and that and that thing that my grandmother got. I'll never forget. She bought me the suit. I went. <laughs> that was a look at the time. That light green suit with the big white ruffles. I was like, yeah. I don't want to wear. No, you're wearing that. I went. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, but I remember it, it was. Um, I mean, it was. You know, it was just part of a of a of a big kind of. Um, thing that i was i was totally into the music scene and also you know i mean i say about not being too impressed at the bgs being included because i was 
you know, I was I was already starting to uh, research in depth, kind of black music styles and club music, and and then electronic music when it starts to get into the late seventies and synths and stuff, you know. Um, and I I um, I remember that um, the um, where was my thread there? Sorry, I'm counting. Yeah, the the. the the things that I was kind of doing at the time, I was an avid reader of things like Blues and Soul and Black Echoes and Record Mirror, James Hamilton's column, and I was just th- my normal thirst for knowledge. I was just trying to trying to absorb as much as possible, you know, and started to dig deep. And that's when my kind of that's when all the break hunting started as well, without me knowing it. You know, the thing that eventually moved on into kind of the DJ turntablist scene and hip hop and whatever, searching for breaks and loops and really cool. Um, original rare bits, you know. So that started all the way back there for me, you know. Um, so I was, I mean, it was like a, it was like doing a thesis on on kind of black music and and club music, you know, dance music generally. Really, as I said, spent my life in the library. I carried on really doing stuff like that, you know. Um, so just just a facts and information junkie, you know. And that's and a, I, you know, but you got to realize at that time. We're, we were all trying to figure out where all this was coming from because it was just it was just like happening all around you. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, no, we're no Googling. We couldn't go, oh, let me Google. Why is this disco music on radio right now? What is it? There was no such thing to yeah, call yeah. you. Yeah, that's that's why I was I was just drawn to uh, to researching all this, you know. And, uh, you know, if the internet had been around when I was that age, I don't know, my head probably would have exploded because I'd have, I'd have never got any sleep. I'd have been on the internet 24-7, just researching not just music but science and, and and philosophy and whatever, you know, just a really wide, diverse kind of knowledge junkie, really. Um, you know, and here's something for you, for the Trekkie fans. Some of the stuff they showed on Star Trek, Yeah, right, we were like, oh, that's so science fiction you know that's not that far away from where we are right now we're not that far well i tell you what's the crazy thing is um you know i mean obviously we all know about the communicators and that's mobile phones now but things like the you know the energizing and stuff i mean you know that i've um i've been quite interested in things like quantum computing recently and there's that there's there's that uh, thing that they've actually done i think it's the chinese have actually transported through quantum computing um they've transported uh, matter from one place to another atoms from one place to another and it's like you know once that grows bloody um transporting transporting like in star trek might become true and that just seems so far-fetched i mean you can half understand how we might end up getting mobile phones or communicators but being able to transport our atoms from one place to another i mean that's just you know that's that's just crazy shit but that's you know that's quantum computing for you <laughs> melbourne melbourne here i come from new york i'll see you in 10 minutes yeah set. brilliant <laughs> so you got piano so you have piano training behind you, and of course you're a disco baby like all of us, and growing up disco era and dancing, and you're finding your way through Northern Soul. Yeah, keep us on this journey. Yeah, so you know, obviously I was buying records, and then I, you know, I remember, I remember being. I mean, it was also, you know, uh, it was a, uh, it was also 
from the Northern Soul thing, you know, it was very much about collecting and trying to get and trying to find it. Also, you know, even trying to find out what records were was were, was really difficult, you know. Um, I mean, some of the records that I used to love dancing to the most, I mean, uh, one comes to mind, Captain of My Shit by Seventh Wonder. Brilliant, brilliant record. And uh, I remember not dancing for that for months and out at, at clubs, you know, and um, not realising who it was. And finally finding out, being able to kind of walk over into the DJ and crane my neck over a bit and kind of see what it was, kind of turn around and go out and find it somewhere, you know. Um, it was very, very hard sometimes hunting things down, but that was part of the thrill was the hunt, you know, um, hunter-gatherer for rare, rare records. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd, I started to collect a lot of the early, you know, I'd, I was, I was, I had my finger kind of on the pulse a bit when 12 inches came out 12 inch singles because that was such a new thing and i really wanted to get some 12 inch singles so you know i was quite lucky to get my hands on some of the early 12 inches um i remember a couple of them that spring to mind um uh, uh sylvester you make me feel mighty real i mean that was just an incredible record and the fact of because it was such a fast record there was very much still that that echo of Northern Soul going on, you know, for a lot of us. Um, and that was quite early on as a 12-inch single, I remember, and 10% of exposure. I think that was I think that was one of the first 12 inches ever released, actually, from what I uh, from what I remember. But anyway, um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, records became a life, you know. I mean, I used to I remember my bedroom at home at my parents, I mean, I couldn't get through the door. There was records on the walls. There was records on the floor. I had to climb over records to get in my bed, you know. Um, so I eventually started to think, I can do something with these records. I can go out and, and DJ, you know. I can do parties. So uh, I think one Christmas or birthday, my dad very kindly bought me a uh, a small kind of DJ setup, speakers and, and a deck and, uh, all in one. I think it was I think it was a foul all in one belt drive turntables and um, a couple of speakers and some lights. And so I went out doing parties, you know. So I was putting these records to work, man. You know? wait, 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 wait. Is that the kit that everybody else used? The two yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real. I mean, real, real, real. Kind of. Uh, I mean, amazing to me at the time. Like Paul Cox talked about that. It was in a catalog. Yeah. And you went to this store to get, I forget what store in England, that only a couple of stores carried this all-in-one kit that you would yeah. go out. Yeah, probably, uh, was it, I don't know, uh, Tandy's or some shop like that. Anyway, anyway. Like a Tandy shop. You go in there and go, I want that kit with the two turntables and the yeah. mix between. Yeah. Flashing light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started, uh, I started doing parties and stuff, and then... And then when I left school, I, I went to uh, Dance Drama College in Liverpool. Um, uh, Elliot Clark uh, Dance Drama College in Liverpool, studying drama and dance uh, because I was such a dance freak anyway. Um, I was very drawn to that. And um, I was kind of DJing at the same time to kind of um, support myself on the course. Uh, I remember actually. I mean, one of my one of my classmates was um, Con O'Neill, who who was one of the uh, main 
uh, lead parts in the uh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Um, have you seen Chernobyl? Chernobyl. The, yeah, uh, I saw Chernobyl. It was a gr- I was like, that's a great movie, yes. Oh, it's a br- brilliant series, brilliant series. So uh, he was actually one of the main characters in that, Con O'Neill. So he was my classmate. So uh, it, it's things like that are like uh, uh, things that uh, make life worthwhile for me, really, is, is having the chance to to kind of to kind of meet and, and be inspired and see friends kind of uh, reach greatness, really, you know? It's a really warm, warm feeling in my heart when that happens, you know? It's uh, – so anyway, I, 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 I was doing this dance drama course and I was doing the DJing to kind of help support myself and I ended up getting to a stage where, because I was out all night um, DJing and then going in college early um, – the amount of stress of the amount of exercise that you had to do and kind of two hours limbering up in the morning sessions. Please search for part two of this podcast on the platform you're watching or listening to. And please do not forget to follow us.